Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's my birthday, I have tonsillitis, but I'm still standing, ladies and gentlemen, because this is VGC, a video game podcast with me, Jordan Medler, Chris Scullion, and Pete Donaldson. How are we doing, folks? Pete, how you doing? I'm good. I feel gutted that I've not turned up in a, a Celtic shirt. I don't know what you two are playing at, whether you had a <laughs> chat beforehand. I've not even got anything that's even quite similar. I think I've got a Portuguese shirt that's green and white, but mm. I wouldn't have been able to turn up with one anyway, so apologies. Well, I'm currently in the stage of uh, the weekly washing cycle where all I have clean <laughs> is football tops, so I was like, you know what? <laughs> so, so you guys both didn't like. So you, you guys both didn't sort of get together before the show and decide to both wear Celtic shirt tops? <laughs> no, I missed. I messaged Chris ah, and I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm wearing my Celtic top, you need to wear one too. Chris, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, to, to be honest, I was wearing it anyway. <laughs> all, full transparency, so I was like, well, that's, that's an easy an easy gig. Yeah, I'm all right. Nursing a cold, like recovering from daughter's fifth birthday yesterday, where, um, like, when she was born, we, 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 me and the, the missus said, but we'll, we're not do the stereotypical stuff, we'll not buy her loads of dolls mm. and all that shit, we'll let her kind of figure out what she wants herself and so obviously yesterday she was just fucking had dolls thrown at her because that's all she wanted <laughs> was dolls so fucking well, f- five is when birthdays start getting like shit hot, like birthdays and Christmas mm-hmm. start becoming the big thing so um mm. Although, interestingly, she just got into that Spidey and his amazing friends, you know, the kind of kid yeah. Spider-Man thing. So she, we got our, like, Spider-Man action figures as well, and she's into them, so we're... It's good, we're, 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 we're getting there. Think, um, all I got for my birthday was a heavy uh, helping of tonsillitis, which I presume I got... I, I presume I caught the, the start of when I was away in Sweden, but uh, I went into the, the doctors yesterday. The guy was younger than me, and... Um, it's not a good sign. He's, yeah. he's, not your age, John. His office was covered in <laughs> um, Star Wars posters and stuff like that. I was just like, this I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know what you're doing, but I want a more, like... <laughs> <laughs> sure as a doctor what, what, what GP surgery was it forbidden planet because the, do- <laughs> the doctors the, the doctor surgery when you usually go in you've got pictures of like lungs with yeah. pus yeah. coming out of it and, and you know the five stages of like cancers and stuff but this guy's got like mad Star Wars crap all over the wall unbelievable yeah, they were like uh, they were quite nice posters to be fair but my mm. GP growing up looked like the guy who used to put his hand up sooty back in the day Matthew oh, or whatever oh, his name was yeah, yeah, Matthew. Uh-huh. He was the he was the spitting image of him, so it always felt very like it was very comfortable. He was he was like this kind of grandfatherly figure. Now that's young- comfortable when he when he hit when he hit his hand up your ass. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> wow. When all the different sweeps came in, it was great. But um, <laughs> this guy, I was like, I feel like I would have fuck I would have bullied you in school. Like I, I, I'm not sure I, I take your advice, but he gave me some wonderful pills, and now Aww. here we are. Um, Good. This week we have a show filled with AEW Fight Forever, as well as an interview with some of the gang behind Payday 3. But first, let's do some headlines. Now, I picked a great week to be off because it's all been kicking off in this Microsoft Activision suit. And um, When the dust has settled next week, we will go through it with a more fine-tooth comb. But we've got some of the more lascivious headlines, because that's what we love to do on this podcast. We love to be lascivious, starting with... Microsoft CEO claims he'd love to get rid of console exclusives entirely. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella was giving evidence on Wednesday during Microsoft's court case against the US Federal Trade Commission, which is seeking to block the Xbox maker's proposed $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Nadella said that during his nine and a half years in charge of Microsoft, it has been his philosophy to make software available on as many platforms as possible. Quote, I grew up in a company that always believed that software should run in as many platforms as possible and that's just the Microsoft I grew up in. I believe in that. When asked if he's aware that Xbox has some games that are exclusive to its consoles, Nadella claimed that it's necessary for Microsoft to compete in the playing field dictated by its more dominant rival Sony. Quote, if it was up to me, I would love to get rid of the entire 
sort of exclusives on console, but that's not for me to define. <clears throat> Especially as a low share player in the console market, that the dominant player there has already defined market competition using exclusives, and so that's the world we live in. He added, I have no love for that. Chris, are console exclusives necessary? Do you ever see a world in which Microsoft just says, oh well, and puts everything on everything? Uh, no, to the second <laughs> question, just to make it really confusing. <laughs> um, I, I think they're a necessary evil. Um, I don't, I'm not a big fan of them either. And to be honest, I actually believe um, Satya Nadella here because he um, is coming from uh, a, 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 an overarching, like the, the, the entire Microsoft scene here. And Microsoft always puts its products on Mac, for example, like all like you can get Office mm. on, on Mac and all that kind of stuff. So from the wider kind of Microsoft thing, I get it, I agree. And it's also the case that Sony has been doing the, the exclusive thing since before Xbox even existed. You look at all the PS1 and PS2. Um, like like the, the deals they did with Namco and the, when the PS One first started to get Ridge Racer and Tekken like PlayStation only, so I I, I agree to what what's been said to an extent, but at the same time, Xbox played the game as well. They did Halo, they 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 did Project Gotham, they 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 did their exclusives as well, and it's just it's just one of these things that. It just you can't you'll never not have exclusives. That's just that's just the nature of the beast. Um, Third party exclusives are the, are the thing that pisses me off more. Yeah. Um. It, it, you you kind of expect it from first party studios, but um, when a company pays a third party, uh, a third party developer to 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 keep their games exclusive to that system, that's when it gets a bit shit. I think. What makes Pete? What makes the difference between these big boxes, if not console exclusives? Um. I I like to sort of take it back to a time where I think programming for the was it the PlayStation 1 or was it the Saturn? Um, the Saturn, I think it was, where you had to c- program it in a completely different way. So you had to program it in triangles rather than yeah. polygons or something. And so everything looked a bit wobbly and a bit weird. And people <laughs> had to work ten times harder. Nowadays, we've kind of moved away from like the cell processors on the Sony side and everything's kind of easier to program for. So there's not really that much of an excuse, I'd say. So so in summary, no, I don't think there is much to, 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 for anyone, uh, either on the game, uh, on the player's side or, or the developer's side. There's nothing different about either of these uh, either of these packages it makes me sad yeah. i think they should just release them on everything but i think we all know that they won't <laughs> the thing is any time a console tries to do something different nintendo aside nintendo's always been its own thing yeah. well not always but certainly since the, the wii um so that doesn't really count to an extent but in terms of playstation and xbox anytime they try and do something to differentiate itself people don't buy into it. So um, when Xbox started doing the TV stuff and the snap feature and all that and connect people at what you're doing and they said, okay, sorry, and, and dropped it all. <laughs> um, but every time PlayStation does, like when they try to put motion controls in the in the dual set, eh, the six axis and then mm. and then the, they brought the vibration back or whenever, when they try and do that touch panel on their current controllers, <laughs> Nobody even, even the kind of resistive triggers, people are just like, eh, not a lot of games use it mm. well. Every time they try and add something to try and differentiate, so when people say, what's the difference between PlayStation and Xbox, people could go, oh, well, Xbox has Connect and has TV, or, oh, well, PlayStation has, like, a touch controller. And people just people don't like it. People just want normal games. <laughs> so why are Nintendo getting it right? Why is Nintendo this kind of walled garden that, that they just do their own thing and everyone just sort of goes along with it? It's exclusives again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, you, as long as, as long as you'll never get Mario or Zelda or Mario Kart or anything like that on anything other than Nintendo, Nintendo will always do well. Yeah, they'll, they'll, and and they realise that you, they don't have to compete in terms of. Every time they, they they competed in terms of performance, like with the GameCube, the GameCube was really oh, powerful yeah, yeah. for what it was, and no one cared. Like so, they, they, at that point, they obviously just thought, oh, well, okay, well, never mind. We'll make the Wii standard def and, and we'll just do our own thing and it's worked with USA. Yeah, the, the the exclusive thing is interesting because I feel like there is a place for them, speaking for me personally, I had an Xbox 360 in that era to start with because mm-hmm. I saw Gears of War and I was like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And then as that generation went on, PlayStation started getting the big hitter exclusives like the Uncharted's and the Infamouses and that is the reason mm-hmm. to go over so I, I do see, like, if I'm watching a TikTok or something like that, 
and I see a clip of before God of War Ragnarok came out, for example, people being like, okay, I need to get a PS5 for this. Whereas if everything was on everything, I suppose it would just be whatever your friends are. But even nowadays, so much stuff is cross-play. So much of that communication is decentralized with people on Discord and things like that. So the actual reasons to set these two apart is pretty difficult. And then if you if you incorporate something like Game Pass into the equation, it would be... If all the, if all the games were on everything, but Xbox still had Game Pass and PlayStation didn't, there would be very little reason. That, that's, that's what I think is a sneaky game that Microsoft's playing just now, because Microsoft and Phil Spencer in particular are coming out saying... Call of Duty will always be on PlayStation, we promise. And they even had that really kind of funny moment during the, the case this week where the, the lawyer was basically saying to Phil Spencer, will you will you definitely put Call of Duty on, try to catch him out, will you have it on PlayStation for, for the foreseeable future for a long time to come? He's like, yeah, yeah. Like, Are you willing to say that under oath? He's like, yeah, I'll say it under <laughs> oath. I'll do, I'll do what you want. Um, but they, they know that if they're selling it on PlayStation for 70 quid, and it's on Game Pass for quote unquote free for a subscription. That's enough. Mm. They've already got that. That's the exclusivity. They've got the exclusive uh, Game Pass deal, and th- that's still enough. Yeah, and I, I think. think it's also we're in a situation where devil's advocate Microsoft can be like, I don't really like exclusives because their exclusives right now aren't the ones that everyone talks about. <laughs> but in five years, when uh, when they're like when all this stuff they've been talking about for so long starts getting churned out and they're re- got really heavy hitters are they still going to be like oh well yeah. we can, we'll put indiana jones on playstation why not we'll put we'll put elder scrolls 6 <laughs> on playstation um it's it's strange kind of uh, to be fair i do believe satin adela here because obviously he's not yeah. super involved with the games business he's like in in the in the microsoft cloud somewhere above uh redmond washington um yeah, yeah. it's it's a, it's a different beast it's not, it's not office there's i don't think there's there's people in the i don't think there's like office console fa- uh, warriors or anything like that what, yeah. it is one of these things where it's never going to change like now that they now that people now that exclusives happen and exclusives have been happening since day one um it's never going to change it because it, it's pe- part of it's petty where you could say oh well they uh, the basically said they did it first mm. <laughs> so, so we'll do it as well and you can't I, I mean i get it you can't really change that because it, it, it at no point um, are we going to have a situation where Xbox says we'll put all our games on PlayStation and PlayStation will go thanks very much we won't be putting all our games <laughs> on Xbox like, they, they, need, they need to if one of them's doing it they both need to do it my, my first uh, games console was an Xbox 360 because I was always um, Amiga PC and so we always just got whatever thin gruel they wanted to throw at the PC kind of market <laughs> I suppose so it's kind of like it was nice to sort of come over and go oh it's actually quite competitive isn't it because I never, I never grew up with Mario and, uh, and Sonic I grew up with Zool. Yeah. You grew up with it with the, with the 3D FX version of Yes, lovely stuff. <laughs> Actual soccer instead of FIFA. Uh. It's, it's interesting because um, I'll, I'll talk about it later. But I've been messing about with the Rogue Ally, and when you log into that, it's very much like Xbox Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass. Log in now, get like 500 PC games that will work with this thing, and it's, it's <laughs> you can you can see Microsoft like just getting their tendrils and all that stuff. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I downloaded Returnal on the Rogue Ally, and it boots up, and then it just goes nope, <laughs> <laughs> which I was disappointed about. Speaking about Returnal and PlayStation, PlayStation's boss claims that publishers quote unanimously dislike Xbox Game Pass. Sony Interactive Entertainment boss Jim Ryan has claimed that publishers are opposed to Xbox Game Pass subscription model. Ryan was speaking during a video deposition aired on Tuesday during Microsoft's ongoing court case against the US Federal Trade Commission, which is seeking to block the, the Xbox maker's proposed $69 billion deal, you may have heard. During the deposition, Microsoft's lawyer asked Ryan about comments he made to PlayStation investors during a meeting that took place a month after Microsoft had announced its plans to acquire the Call of Duty maker in 2022. Recounting the discussion, Microsoft's lawyer said Jim Ryan told investors that Game Pass had, quote, driven them to make the large acquisition, Ryan reportedly continued, quote, I talk to all the publishers and they unanimously do not like Game Pass because it's value destructive. The lawyer asked if that was true at the time and Ryan responded, I believe I believe it to have been true. Um, I think this is very interesting. Um, Chris, how much of this is posturing and how much of this... I've thought for a long time 
there must be some amount of resentment on the publisher side outside of xbox that's like it's it's getting hard to sell full price games if microsoft is just putting them on the subscription model mm-hmm. it's a weird one I, I would like to hear and it's something we probably won't hear because i'm sure there's ndas and and all sorts of agreements made behind the scenes i would love to hear honest opinions from the actual publishers yeah. Um, as opposed to the guy from the side <laughs> who's trying to stop Game Pass. Eric Bischoff's opinion on WWE. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, not not to not to cast aspersions on the guy, but we've already had um, this email doing the rounds of Jim Ryan saying that um, he's confident Call of Duty will be on PlayStation for years to come and they'll be, quote, more than okay if, if the acquisition happens. And yeah, all we've had for the past year and a half is how it's going to be a disaster if Xbox gets Call of Duty. So uh, I, I would like to hear from someone other than Jim Ryan on on whether Game Pass is. Um, I don't. I, yeah, you're right. I can I can see why. It, it, obviously, money must change hands in the first place to get the game on Game Pass to make up for lost sales. Um, and you tend to see well, a lot of games on Game Pass. There's usually some sort of season pass or, or DLC that kind of sweetens the deal where the, or or whenever there's a sequel coming out sometimes the original ends up on Game Pass so there's there's incentives there but yeah I'd, li- I'd like to hear from more actual publishers because I know I mean there's lots of indie developers who are saying Game Pass is great because their game would never have been noticed had it not been for Game Pass mm. but at the same time you see some games that come on Game Pass day one and you go you know, I think that could have sold a decent amount that didn't really need Game yeah, Pass Yeah it's weird seeing stuff that you'd have seen lying in the shelves 10 years ago easily just end up on game pass and obviously from a consumer perspective that's like amazing and ridiculous but i wonder if there's like internally if it's like we've spent all this money on these games and they just kind of the because of the i feel like sometimes when a game gets announced there's a reception to it that's just like oh that looks like a game pass game and that must be a dagger through the heart of 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 publishers What, what do you think about this pete what is the when does a game become too big to go on one of these streaming services I honestly think that they um, should just look at the hard drive space because that's always like the mark of, you know, histo- like we're hearing about this um, kind of uh, mythical uh, quadruple A uh, level of game. And obviously, you know, most of that stuff is kind of delivered online anyway. So like they're absolutely gigantic. But yeah, just go with the hard drive space. Just sort of go, right. If it's over 80 gigabytes, you can't go on Game Pass. That's not what yeah. Game Pass is for. And I just very much like when, when these kind of like depositions and stuff come out and, and uh, these kind of very legalese kind of speak, uh, come out and, and, and they ask uh, questions about people. Um, I love the quotations like um, that um, some things are um, like value, what was it, value destructive. Yeah, it's value kind of weird. <laughs> no one ever uses that word in a, in a boardroom. They just go, oh, she's not making us enough money, really. But value destructive. <laughs> Yeah. I love these little terms here and there, but yeah, yeah, hard drive. <laughs> That's how, see, to be honest, see when when I got the, I think it was the Series X, and I was just installing all the random crap. It was like, oh, what's what's the wee five gig ones that I can just pop on here and have a, a quick a quick try? Um, yeah, it's there is there is more bones to be picked over from this this trial that we will do. Is it is it wrapped up by next week, Chris? I'm I'm really not yeah, in the loop with this one. I believe it wraps up today. Okay. This is a big uh, just, 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 just as I take on the, a two to ten shift, so I, 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 I cover the bloody. Strap yourself in, Chris. <laughs> Watch out for the redactions. Uh, I've already got. I've already got the Zoom meeting sitting here waiting because there's a, there's a limit of a thousand people that can listen to it on Zoom, ah. and you're not allowed because it's a court case. You're not allowed to record it um, or stream it online or anything like that. So basically, if you don't get into the Zoom call. You're relying on people breaking the law for you, which, which not a lot of people seem to be willing to do, unsurprisingly. <laughs> so I've had this Zoom meeting waiting since like nine o'clock, and, and it's not due for another four hours or something. So, yeah. We'll next see. week we will pick the bones. But next up, we have one of my favourite stories of the year Nintendo shareholder meeting disrupted by ranting Splatoon 3 fan. <laughs> <laughs> As first reported by Twitter user N Styles, who attended the event, the meeting's Q&A session included someone, quote, loudly ranting about female characters' perceived preferential treatment in the third game when it comes to customization options. Um, there's a... The, <laughs> the response from Nintendo was excellent. Um, thank you for thank you for your interest in playing our game. We appreciate your valuable opinion. Um <laughs> Apparently, the person who asked the 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 question had to pay the the guts of uh, three thousand five hundred dollars for the privilege, and um, <laughs> yeah, he, there's a quote from him who says, "At the Nintendo shareholder meeting, I complained about the current cold treatment of Splatoon boys. 
halfway through, I was told that there are other people who want to ask, so the second half took a lot longer than planned, but I managed to tell them. Um, <laughs> Chris, if you uh, spent three and a half grand to complain to Nintendo, what would your number one complaint be? Uh, why isn't Excite Truck got an HD remaster yet? <laughs> but, but that would be it. That would be, that would be the end of the question. I wouldn't go on. This guy posted his full question on his full manifesto. It must have been like. 1500 words and it's like proper like well when Splatoon boy the main commander in Splatoon the, the general like, all the promotion uh, material uh, is a woman and all the it's like I me. like to picture that he stood up in court and like when Jericho came out with his list of a thousand and four moves and the paper just went <laughs> flying down the, the road like, like <laughs> the, the, the fact that the guy's like the fact that halfway through it someone it, it, apparently um, Terrence President himself like said this is a, this is taking ages mate <laughs> <laughs> and he was like yeah 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 and just kept going <laughs> just totally blanked and just kept going until he finished what an idiot oh, Pete you're, you're, a, you're a known complainer if you had three and a half grand oh. to go and say something to Nintendo's president what would it, what would it be? New Donk World didn't need it don't want it get rid of it <laughs> just don't want it just I love I love having like a hotline to some of the biggest names in uh, in Japanese uh, video games I remember um, there was a, a, a Japanese man who turned up at my mate's school he uh, comes from Aberdeen and obviously works in the oil rigs uh, this Japanese book when he's at school uh, and he came and he um, introduced himself and uh, taught them a little bit of Japanese just you know hello my name is um, how are you and um, on one of the I think it was the NeoGAF forums uh, the same mate from Aberdeen uh, got a um, got Miyamoto's phone number somebody posted <laughs> it on the forums and he rang up and did his hello my name is that he'd let at school <laughs> by this rigger this uh, this this, this uh, PR man from the from the from the oil rig but it just really made me laugh just kind of like having a hotline and ringing him up and and just having nothing to say really of any <laughs> substance you could have like affected the the the, the direction of an entire uh, multi-billion uh, dollar industry but uh, no you wanted to wish about girls <laughs> it must have been oh, like that dear. situation where um you know boris johnson's phone number was on the bottom of some like think tank blog for yes. 15 years and it was still the number Nobody he used knows. as prime minister it's good stuff <laughs> memo's numbers just hidden somewhere um <laughs> I've, I've had memo's number in my wallet for like 15 years <laughs> I mean, give me like I mean, you know, you when you whenever you interview someone in Japanese, you have to do the, the kind of routine of the business cards. It's really kind of serious where you take the card out and and give it to them with both hands. Yeah. Then when they give you theirs, you don't put it in your pocket because that's really disrespectful. You have to set it on the table in front of you as if like this is the information of the person. Mm. So I gave me a moto, my my official internal magazine card, and he gave me his. So I've still my wallet. It's got like a direct line number on it. Where's well, your stones, it. Chris? It. Crumple it up and eyeball him. Just crumpling it up. <laughs> Your hands. Are they phone up and give, give them a piece of my mind about the, the, the laddies in Splatoon, the Splatoon Boys? <laughs> Splatoon Boys. Are they actually called Splatoon Boys? I've never. That's I've the first I've heard of it. I think they're called Inkling Boy and Inkling Girl. Okay, right. I, I believe. Are you spelling boy? Are you spelling boy B O I? Well, we will be back with our B O I I I's after this. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back, Chris. We've been grappling. And outside of that, we've been playing AEW Fight Mm. Forever. You reviewed (laughs) it. Tell us all about it. Well, I appear to be an outlier here because it got fairly middle. I'm with you, brother. I'm I'm right there with you. Thank you. 
Thank you. I enjoy it. It's it, it's the first, um, for those not familiar with it, this is um, meant to be the spiritual successor to WWF No Mercy, the greatest wrestling game ever made. Mm. Um, and the the director of that game was brought into... It, 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 his role's been downplayed slightly because Wikipedia, the, the ever-reliable Wikipedia, <laughs> seems to think he's the director of the game, but he's nothing like it. He's like a gameplay supervisor. Right. So basically, they, they showed him builds and said, is this all right? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> That's very much his job. I work for a PR company that repped it back in the day. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, so I'm not sure what how much uh, like hands-on development time he actually had with the game. I enjoy it. It, It's it's more arcadey than No Mercy was. So, interestingly, like it used to be way back in the day that um, the N64 games, like uh, WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy, were the simulation ones, and the ones on PlayStation, the SmackDown games, were the kind of arcadey ones, the ones that were developed by Ukes. And now, funnily, funnily enough, now we've turned round where the, the SmackDown series has now become WWE 2K and the other realistic ones. <laughs> and now there's no mercy spiritual successors like a proper arcade style. Um, it's th- very I, I, daft, I, I, isn't I just, it? It's, 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 it's so inherently daft. Like it, at one point, you find a skateboard and you can just you skate around the ring. And then when you when you enter the ring, you can enter the ring by throwing the skateboard in and sliding in it on your belly and continue to skate yeah. without stopping. It's just stupid. And then you can <laughs> you can skate across the ring, do a swanton bomb off the skateboard, out the ring and through a table. Like that, it's, <laughs> it, it, is the, it has captured that kind of ridiculous arcadiness that the WWE games have so moved away from. Um, mm. Yeah. The thing I want to talk about is this Road to Elite mode. So the road to elite mode is the career progression. You can either pick a, an AEW character or a created character. And you start off, you always start off doing the Casino Battle Royale, which is heavy difficult, um, which if you don't know about Royale, you have to throw your opponent out, or you throw 20 opponents outside the ring. And then you get sent on these different story paths, depending on how you do in that Battle Royale. I think there's like... Do you know how many there is, Chris? Is there like four or five or something? There's like four. There's four different blocks. So there's four many storylines, and each one has three potential stories. Mm-hmm. So, so these the, these stories will be like, oh, do you want to join the Jericho Appreciation Society? Although it's, ten, it's the inner circle because the, the game is a wrestling game. It's slightly dated. Do you want to do <laughs> stuff with the Dark Order? Um, that kind of thing. But between your matches, it would be like, do you want to work out? Do you want to go out in the town? <laughs> and if you, if, if you select to go out in the town, your character walks past a flat JPEG of whatever town they're in. And it's like, oh, I love the beach here in Texas. It's so, so funny. And I can't, it's, it, go ahead, Chris. It's, it's so, it's so, and I'm aware of saying this because like last week when Alex was on, we were talking about the term JRPG. Uh-huh. And he said like, apparently in Japan that some of them take offence to it mm. because they think it's a derogatory term, but it's actually, and we see it as like a, a badge of honour, like like a JRPG that separates it from a Western RPG because you know that they know what they're doing in certain, so it's almost like, if it's, oh, like, like J-horror, like, you know, Japanese horror is like, oh, well, if it's J-horror, you know, it's going to be this and that. The, the, the story mode in this, clearly feels like it was made in Japan and in that it's it's unashamedly daft and doesn't care. It's, it's it reminds me of um when International Superstar Soccer two thousand came out oh, in sixty four. It had a really weird kinda career mode as well where you trained your guy and you had to go out with your mates and sometimes you got injured while you were out with your mates <laughs> and there's like girlfriends and all this kind of, and it's like that. It's it's such a weird the fact that when you land in every city you can choose to go to the restaurant and, and try the local delicacy and the waitress comes out and tells you about the, the local delicacy and you go thanks very much and then you get like a real photo of the food and like a like a proper like Wikipedia entry. Yeah. this is a wrestling the BBC game. good food guide wow <laughs> exactly brilliant. it's amazing um, I love it I, I love that it clearly knows it's 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 stupid yeah. and, and it, it, it kind of leans in it, it's it, it yeah, I can't it, remember who, um, who told me that this game was a bit of a wreck not that long ago, and I'm glad it's sort of... Because I, I was hoping this game was going to come out, be terrible, and then disappear, so I don't have to look at that disgusting rendition of Kenny Omega's chest. And his <laughs> weird pillow chest, it looks tight, it looks ill, it looks inflamed, I hate looking at it, it looks nothing like his chest, and it upsets me that I have to look at it. But I, 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 I was hoping it was going to disappear, but it sounds like they've sort of turned it around. 
I, I'm shocked at how good it was. Like, I mm, got it on Steam yeah. Deck and I played it a bit when I was on my trip. And as I played more of it, I was like, oh my god, this is like, I'm, 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 I'm having fun with this. Um, the, <laughs> interestingly, people have been ripping the models out of, um, this game and putting them into the PC version of WWE 2K23 and they look great. So I don't Amazing. know if it's just like a, a lighting problem with this game or something like that. It's weird because some of them, I didn't mention this in reviews, some of the, some of the wrestler models look great. Like Sting looks excellent. Mm. Like Jericho looks okay. Can't get Sting wrong, um, can you? I mean, it's all about no, exactly. <laughs> that, that, that's true. But, but they might, although they managed to make him look like an old Sting, yeah. so he's got the receding hairline and, and he wears <laughs> and he wears a jumper instead yeah. of instead of his old girl, so you can tell us you don't see his flabby arms. But um, like the um, but then CM Punk looks like the guy from Dynamite Cop on the Dreamcast. He's got this really big long neck and like Sammy Guevara looks very weird as well. The books look like yeah. horse people. That was just very enjoyable. <laughs> it's also a, it's kind of a, a strange roster. Um, the a lot. So Cody Rhodes is in it. Yeah, I, that was a weird one at the back. How are they allowed to? I mean, I guess when it started to get made, would you not? Because Sasha Banks never made the main uh, no. roster of no. WWE. Did I it? think that's a. I think that's a WWE thing, though. They're like, oh, we they're just we, being, they're especially with Sasha right. Banks because she was like gearing up to become Mercedes Money and all that but mm. like the well, the roster I'm assuming Cody Rhodes must own the American Nightmare thing then yeah but although they've right. got they've got the song like they have yeah they've got the song and they've got both they've got the American Nightmare get so presumably WWE can't own that yeah right. I, I would guess otherwise but apparently I, I, I saw somewhere that, that he was deliberately left in it as a kind of tribute to what he'd done yeah I mean, he's all over the video packages and stuff at the start. Uh, Yeah, they could not have him in there. Is the the music uh, that obviously um, uh, they spend, they always spend a lot of money on on the actual music uh, for stuff. Is there any licensed tracks in this or is it kind of... So everyone has their accurate music apart from Ruby Soho. So right. Ruby Soho usually comes in. That's to, the cheapest track, surely. Yeah. Rancid's Ruby Soho. <laughs> what well, you ten quid to use that anyway? Surely, especially for crying especially out loud. Because they live in they, a bin. They're mates with CM Punk. Like you yeah. think they'd be able to like sort that, but that that <laughs> wasn't uh, that isn't in it. But the rest of them all are. Uh, okay. um, not that you get a chance to hear them much because no. the entrances are about rubbish. Like they, they they come out. It's like a house show, isn't it? It's like really short. Yeah, but little... it was, they, they come out, they stand at the, in the ramp and do their reanimation and then leave and that's it. You don't, you don't see them come down the ramp and go in the ring or anything like that. It's like, it's, it's, I mean, even No Mercy showed full entrances. It's, it's more <laughs> like uh, WCW, NWO Revenge where they come out and do their, rean- their one animation and then, and then just walk past the, 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 the entrance where they, you don't actually see a full animation. That's one for the sequel, I think. There's also a weird situation where Jeff Hardy's in the game, but you only get Matt Hardy if you pre-ordered. Like, <laughs> like of all the characters to make a pre-order bonus um some of the so they've talked about dlc the dlc so far is cash wheeler um dax harwood hook keith lee the bunny and Danhausen, which means that claudio castagnoli and samoa joe two of the main kind of uh, going interests in aw at the minute just aren't in it but it's weird because they're also talking about that being season one even though it's like three separate or four separate batches they're calling that season one which makes me think this is they're in this for the long haul for this game and that maybe season two will add him and Saraya and all these others yeah. that kind of still aren't it it's weird I, I, I'd like to know i like to see a roadmap so I know what I'm what do I'm you know what they should do they should do the deal with New Japan and do like a forbidden door pack to get like mm. Okada and Tanahashi and all these people in it um, this game yeah. does mark the return of Owen Hart to wrestling games. It does. The first time since Showdown Legends of Wrestling, God rest him. Um, I, me and Chris were like, pull, well, he was pulling his hair out, I was not, um, over how to unlock him. And it's, you need to play, a, is it 100 matches before? You have to play 100 exhibition matches to before Owen Hart pops up and goes, all right, <laughs> you've, 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 earned, you've, you've earned the right to, to play as me. Um, yeah, which is his last appearance was in Showdown Legends of Wrestling and I've got the roster up here thanks to the Smackdown Hotel, which is an excellent, that's, that is a wrestling website that I've, I've used. I've, wow. I loved the Legends of Wrestling games even though they were awful because the roster was incredible. It, genuinely, I think there is about five people on this roster that are still with us. Uh, <laughs> DDP <laughs> he's still go. going he's still, still going he's helping the rest of them survive uh, Hogan for some reason he's still kicking about um, the nasty boys they'll be, they'll be there forever they'll be there after the heat death of the universe 
<laughs> yeah, this 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 game had such a weird roster. The Grand Wizard was in this. Jesus Christ! <laughs> where, where was this made? <laughs> uh, this was made in two thousand and four. By was this the one where they all had where they gave Andrew the Giant abs? Like they just gave everyone abs, like that they, they historically clearly didn't have. I seem to recall. Those were just those were just some of his two hundred beer cans that he, yes. he, he drank on a flight. Um, every time I'm uncomfortable on a flight, I think about Andre the Giant. Yeah, I, I just like he, it could be he had to fly on like seventies planes to Japan from France. Like, oh, just like the, the, he couldn't fit in the toilet, so he'd be he'd, there'd be a curtain pulled across while he pisses from the vestibule <laughs> into the toilet. Just, oh, Jesus Christ! Oh, Andre. Um, <laughs> Owen, Owen Hart's appeared in like I mean understandably he's appeared in like no wrestling games he appeared in like Attitude and In Your House and Raw and Warzone and then that was it uh, uh, I mean, I don't know if I've told this before I, I think I might have told you this before John Attitude was the last WWF game Owen Hart was in mm-hmm. um, and it was after he died like he died mm-hmm. before Attitude came out and it was like is he going to be in it or are they going to pull him? Because there's a so they, they kept him in it and it opened the game opens with like a in memory of Owen Hart like still screen and you're like right okay and he's still in the game, but they made it that he's the only character who can't bleed ah uh, and oh, and wow, okay, right. I was like I, I, I'll I'll test that <laughs> and I, and I and I legitimately spent a solid hour and a half leathering him with a steel chair over and over and over again and not not one drop of crimson so like part of me feels like guilty that uh, it's, a mir- it's a miracle he died by the sounds of it Chris <laughs> <laughs> the man cannot um, bleed so so I can I can confirm that Owen Hart definitely doesn't bleed in WWF actually I'll be interested to see if he does I've not the, the actually unlocked death mark. him yet I'll be yeah. interested to see if he does when you get the thumbtacks out in this one yeah there, there is the exploding da- the exploding barbed wire death match in this is it's funny it's like it's, it's, a, it's a daft gimmick but it does make me laugh um, but yes AEW Fight Forever there is a review on the website you can check out I think it's I think it's cracking I really enjoy it it's exactly yeah. the kind of daft game I wanted after like four heavy serious ones in a row da- daft is the word if, if you're if you're looking for mainly multiplayer then go for it because mm. the only thing the single player is fairly slim like once you've played through the road to Elite a few times and seen everything it's got then you might be like, what do I do now? And online is online. But um, if you've got pals who regularly play kind of these kind of games with you, it's, it's definitely worth getting, I think. Yes. Um, and I've been playing it on the ROG Ally. The ROG Ally is Ooh. a new handheld kind of Steam Deck competitor. ROG stands for Republic of Gamers. <laughs> yes. Where I live. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a handheld PC the gimmick with this one being it's just running straight up windows so it can run all your pc game pass games it can run steam stuff and it's an awkward wee machine i think it's really it's 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 really good when you're in there playing a game it's powerful the screen looks nice it's a much nicer screen than the steam deck it feels fine but when you boot it up for the first time it's like booting up an actual pc for the first time so the user experience is so awkward it's like oh do you want to do this to your BIOS? Do you want to say... It asked me if I wanted to install Outlook about 10 times. Like It, it did not. That's it, hilarious. It did all these things. And then oh, it God. seems to want to hide from the fact that it's a PC occasionally. So you will see your desktop and then it will whoop. And then this wee screen will come up and it will show you all your installed games. So if you're a tinkerer and you want to mess about with stuff like that, then sure... I'm sure that's fine but when you actually get into playing the games I've only played a a few different things but it's a strong little machine it's 700 quid out the bat um, Mm -hmm. 512 gig SSD it gets hot as shit like Mm -hmm. the the air coming out the top of it is ridiculously hot and it's it says on the website it's got up to 8 hours battery life but that is a pointless number because if you're (laughs) say you're playing a, a version of an old Game Boy Advance game that fell off the back of a truck. You could probably play that for like thirty hours and it wouldn't even blink. But mm. I played. Uh, I was playing Power Wash Simulator for like three hours and then it was done. done. So oh, it's, okay. it's very much your your mileage may vary. Um, Chris, you were thinking about this one. What have you messed about the Steam Deck at all? Like, what's the? Yeah, I, I, I quite I like it. I've not had a lot of time. I've got a Steam Deck, Steam Deck, and I like it when I play it, but. Just because I've got so much on, just I've not really had a lot of time to kind of properly get stuck into it. I've been happy with it when I've when I've when I've used it, but um, 
I've I've never really kind of put it through its paces, which I'm, I really should do at some point. Um, so yeah, I, I was curious about it mainly for the Game Pass stuff. I, the only, one thing I don't like about Steam Deck is um, you're limited to Steam games, and if you want to play any other PC stuff, um, you either need to do some really elaborate workarounds, or mm. just you're kind of stuck with it because it's kind of Linux based, I believe. Um, so the, the the ROG thing like appealed to me because um, you could actually download. Game Pass games instead of having to stream yeah. them. Um, that is the huge. Kind of, like I was so I was so impressed me, yeah. when it all popped up, and it was like you have six hundred games in your your yeah. PC Game Pass library. Obviously, some of them when you download them will freak out a bit because it doesn't. Yeah, of course, it doesn't quite recognize. But a lot of the time, it will just be like, "Oh, you're using an Xbox controller mm. with this," and, and then it works out okay. It's not as yeah. the the difference when I've been playing the Steam Deck and playing this. The Steam Deck is very seamless. It's all very it's all very set up in such a way that the steam big picture mode works great they just want to keep you in that big picture mode whereas the rog is like eh, if you want to just kind of if you if you want to mess about <laughs> we have this it's called like the armory case or something like that it's a button you can press on it and a screen will come up and it'll be like here's everything you have installed it doesn't work because half the time <laughs> the stuff is missing and it feels like if you go over two pages it freaks out so when I'm installing <laughs> hundreds of Game Pass games, it's just like, nah, nah, I can't be dealing with this. Um, I think it's comfier <laughs> to hold than the Steam Deck. So It looks lighter. Is it lighter and smaller? Yeah, or is it... It's lighter and a bit a bit less wide. The Steam mm. Deck feels like a skateboard at times. It's that huge. Well, like, well that's why I changed from, because like, I had a launch um, Switch, and I just didn't like how big it was, especially on a train. So I think the, the Nintendo Switch Lite was the was mm. the game was the game um, uh, console I played the most. So I, just, I, I like the Steam Deck. I've got a Steam Deck, but I, I think if it was just a little bit smaller and a little bit more powerful, and, and like you say, it didn't sort of, and it played nice with the launchers, I think it would be a, a hell of a system. Them. I so. think this would probably be the one if that's your if that's your kind of description of what you're needing, this would be the one to go for over mm. the Steam Deck. Um it has LED lights around the uh, analog sticks, so that's oh, really so like people are gonna steal it and see it. <laughs> cool. Not to get political here, but given we're both sitting wearing Celtic tops, the political. Republic of, the Republic of Gamers, um are, <laughs> are are they interested in a United Gamers? Yeah, <laughs> damn right. <laughs> <laughs> they just call it gamers. They don't. They, they, gamers, <laughs> yeah. There's northern gamers, and then there's Republican gamers. <laughs> um, the yeah, it's a it's a it's a good wee machine. I've still to put it through its paces in terms of I want to. I got Spider Man running pretty well on the Steam Deck. Like I want to test those like big Sony ones in terms mm. of the the top the top of the range stuff. But it feels like anything PS4 and before it's going to absolutely smash. So it's like a total backlog machine. But yeah, it's cool. I've got more to I've got more to do um with that. I wish I had it for my trip to Sweden. Uh, look at that for a transition, eh? eh? <laughs> That's good. God, my trip to Sweden was a nightmare. <laughs> Nothing to do with the the event. The event was lovely and we went out to see Payday Three. But how did we get to Sweden? So I had to fly down to Gatwick. Um it took two and a half hours for a one hour flight because we got on the tarmac and the pilot was just like eh. we've missed our slot we'll take off at some point it's like you know when you're in the car with your dad and he lets too too many people go in traffic and you're like you're next you need to go next and then more more people go it felt like that so we got there i was like i'm missing this flight i'm definitely missing this flight all the other people on this trip the pr person i'm texting them and they're like okay they've told us at the gate you're checked in just go to the desk and they'll run you through i went to the desk and the woman was like I don't think so. I think you're going to miss that flight. And I was like, no, what no, you're. What was this? Gatwick. Gatwick. Was like, wow. They've done like, this before. I was like, your, your, your colleagues, th- Norwegian, your colleagues through there are, are, are saying that you, they can get me through. It's, you can take me through there. And she was just like, nah. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't look like it. Turns out. So I, I then get the next flight. So I am booked on the next flight. I check in, go through security, go into the departures lounge. The first flight hasn't left yet. It's still sat on the ground at Gatwick while I'm sitting there with a meal deal, <laughs> munching it, and in, in my sorrow, waiting till 1pm. Anyway, after that, get to Sweden. <laughs> Stockholm is, like, stunning. It's one of the cleanest cities I've ever been in in my entire life. Like, it looks fake almost. Mm. Um, and then we went to play Payday 3. So the, the big gimmick for Payday 3, they, they were like, okay, we want to make Ocean's Eleven. We want to make this game where you can go in, not alarm anyone, steal whatever you're stealing get out and the, the plan all comes together the cops are never alerted 
obviously the difficulty then becomes you have four autonomous people trying to do this at the same time so that kind of like synchronized stealth is very difficult but it almost brought to mind fish you know in the modern hitman games there will be levels of security depending on what room you're in so you can go mm-hmm. into one private room and they'll go hey what are you doing here and they'll just like walk you out whereas if you yeah. go into like the president's toilet immediately open fire so there's yeah. there's that kind of level of stealth and it's it's fun and it's also there's that kind of moment of like oh for god's sake when one person puts on their mask and gets a machine gun in, it's like okay that's this, this is like a horde shooter uh, chris did you play any of pd2 at all i didn't know I, I i don't get along with people yeah. so <laughs> generally on like kind of online co-op stuff i uh stay well away from yeah it's it, it was fun it was fun but it feels like you would need a, a crew like a proper dedicated crew to do it if some yeah. person was messing about it would not be as fun i like the idea of the the no alert kind of heist the, they didn't even know we were here kind of thing um yeah <clears throat> pete have you got any pals that you think you would synchronize well with in a real life bank heist oh i mean like i even my scant um experience with a couple of friends playing um sea of thieves uh under lockdown <laughs> uh it makes me realize and to be honest just organizing like we're going to uh belgrade in a couple of weeks time and organizing an airbnb flights mates coming in from albania like it's it's i just would not trust them with any level of organization on a criminal enterprise on a booking <laughs> an airbnb enterprise they're imbecile complete imbeciles <laughs> Well, if you want to hear more about Payday 3, I have a preview up on the site and also have some footage on our YouTube channel. But before that, we sat down with two of the members of the team from Starbreeze to talk all about Payday 3. All right, guys, it's a simple job. Just in and out. Nothing to it. My name's Almir Listo. I work as the uh, global brand director and the head of community. My name is Andreas Hall-Penninger, and I work as the lead producer on Payday 3. Tell me some of the headline changes in Payday 3. For me, Payday 3 is the evolution of the Payday franchise. So some of the biggest changes is uh, improved stealth. There are more things you can do in stealth in order to complete the heist in stealth. Uh, loud is much more interesting, a lot thanks to the improved AI, not only in terms of law enforcers, how they act and behave, they move as proper SWAT units now, hide behind the shield, they care about civilians, if there are a bunch of civilians close to a criminal, they will be more careful, they will not throw grenades, and the same thing goes for civilians, they act in a much more human-like fashion, a more lively fashion. They walk around, they do things, they live their lives. And uh, when and they can also be used in various ways that they've never been able to use before, like uh, as resources uh, in between phases when you're heisting. Uh, you can trade them. You can also uh, trade them earlier on uh, as part of the first responders arriving to the scene in the beginning of a heist. Civilians can then be traded in order to buy more time. So there are many things like this. And last but not least for me, on top of the head, on top of my head, I would argue that the improved skill system, uh, we roughly have a hundred different skills now that you can utilize in various different way, ways, uh, making sure that players have uh, a, a ton of different ways to build their skills. Mm. If I can just tap into that, if you don't mind. Yes. Um, I think also evolution is such a good word because when we started developing PD3, we haven't necessarily looked for like that specific like key innovation. We're looking from the perspective of, okay, what works in PD2? Is it fantasy fulfilling? What else can we add to the game to really enhance that core fantasy, you know, being the ultimate criminal uh, heister, right? So to Armory's point, like, there's a lot of small things around the game that just like refines that and sort of evolves that. And I think like hostage management in general is such a good um, feature set, like mm-hmm. human shield and trading them and moving them to eye scanners to get into new rooms and such. So there's a lot of those, but like that has been really the core objective. How can we how can we feed the design into the core fantasy? One last thing for me as well there, like staying more true to our inspirations, because I mean, yeah. Heat has always been a huge inspiration for us, you know, Michael Mann, fantastic director and the actors involved in that movie, but also in the case of Payday 3, Ocean's Eleven, you know, being able to get in and out without anyone noticing, you know, mm. I think that's a beautiful thing when you do that and make that happen in Payday 3. 
what's the reaction been like from hardcore payday 2 players to all of these new mechanics such as the stealth all the payday 2 players we've seen so far playing the game they feel at home pretty quickly um, not necessarily that they understand all the mechanics and features, but like the game, like, the universe and the game rules, they are fairly similar. And the game is pretty niche, right? So if you understand PD2 on a fundamental level, then you get into PD3 pretty easy. But as a new player, and we've talked about this before, like PD is uh, generally, but also PD3, it's a game that is hard to learn, but it's pretty easy to master. Like there's a lot of things going on, right? But as soon as you start to get a gist of it, especially together with your friends, then you get into these moments where it's like, oh, we can do that and we can use that tool in that way to create this sort of situation Mm. and bypass this obstacle. And I think those are like, those are... Uh, one of the most interesting like uh, moments and user stories we're seeing from the game. You know? Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think uh, uh, one of our uh, community members, uh, a big Payday fan, when when he was playing, I think uh, I would sum it up as him being intrigued. You know, mm. just looking at it in, in a bit of awe. You know, just taking it all in. You know, because yeah. it's such a big thing for them. Just to pick up on your point about new players, what is the tutorial process like for Payday 3? Yeah, the, the tutorials are definitely made uh, also for people that haven't played uh, Payday at all. So there's going to be four different tutorials at launch. One that is focused on combat, one that is focused on mask off stealth, one for mask on stealth, and then one for crowd control. So the goal with that is essentially to teach players like the most important and you know fundamental mechanics and features to get them started at least. You know, um, not necessarily put them into a spot where like we're not teaching them how to be creative with the things, but at least like how to use them on a fundamental level. So I think that's going to help a lot. Mm. Um, and then, like I mentioned, uh, we're doing a revamp of the HUD. Um, um, the HUD that you played today is is uh, a temporary one. So I think that's going to help a lot too, like in terms of guidance and navigation and readability when you're playing a heist. Do you ever wonder that the Payday franchise is perhaps a bit too intimidating for players? Yeah, yeah. Andreas was saying that it's a game that's hard to master and easy to uh, it's hard to learn, easy to master, uh, and that can cause intimidation. But I think the way Payday Three is built is that. It's not a horde shooter in the same sense Payday 2 ever was. It's much more refined. Uh, there are less uh, uh, law enforcers, but they are more deadly. They are much more serious and more uh, clever. Uh, and and uh, they, they take longer to, to um, uh, strike down, but striking them down is still equally as fun, if not even more fun, I would argue, because the system is different and deeper. And I think that ties back to my main feature with the entire game, that it's made in the Unreal Engine. It's built from the ground up in this new technology. The, the, the philosophies of Payday and, and Payday as a concept now has a new home in Unreal, and that offers us so many opportunities and, and creates this uh, completely different experience in, in my mind. Just on those new stealth mechanics again, um, when we played it, it felt very much like um, Hitman from IO Interactive. What kind of games were you looking to for inspiration or was there something else that inspired this part of the game? Uh, to be honest, we haven't really looked a lot at other games. Like we have been looking a lot at Payday as a franchise and looking, and, you know, seeing how we can refine and evolve that. I think movies has been more of an inspiration because we're we're not starting like from a mechanical point of view. In in many cases, we're starting from the fantasy perspective. Like, is the concept interesting, and and does this feed into um, what the core fantasy is about? So, like what you mentioned, casing, like moving around with your mask off and pickpocketing, and you know all that stuff. Um, like I think the core inspiration for that is Ocean's Eleven. Like you're able to walk into a place, you know, pacifist, don't kill anyone, get into the vault, uh, steal the stuff, and just walk out. Um, and that's the case for many things. Like even even during loud, like hit, yeah. like trying to capture that sort of Hollywood hardest feel, you know. Exactly, emulating the Hollywood heist feel. That's a, that's a term we've used a lot during development. The Hollywood heist, and what we mean by that is uh, trying to encapsulate and emulate that feeling of being a career criminal, someone who's dedicated dedicated their entire lives uh, to do crime and, and to get away with it. And I think uh, looking at the stealth aspect. Uh, it's it's much more layered in Payday mm. Three than it ever was before. It has much more. Uh, 
intricate uh, details like yeah. for example i don't know if you played the branch bank but you can uh, most people go into the back of it you know in order you're going to sneak in right but you can actually sneak in from the front as well you can pull down the blinders you can shut the front door and you can start the heist mm. and these are things that i'm excited to see how players explore and what they find they be their favorite way of uh, of uh, approach You've spoken a lot about the cinematic presentation of the game, and one thing we noticed was the kind of escalating soundtrack as the heists go on. How difficult is it to work on something like that when you essentially have four autonomous players that can be doing anything they want at any time? I think it, it, it's not difficult when you have such great colleagues like our composer, Gustavo Coutinho. He's worked on the Payday series now for, for over five years, I think, seven, seven years or so. He's a fantastic composer and he really understands the Payday IP, like the Payday game. He understands the fans, what they like, what they don't like. And he understands the way Payday works as a video game. Game and and what uh, in what needs to be heard when you know mm. and that takes a lot of time uh, to, to master and I think he's, he's he's done such a terrific job so shout out to him for sure. What is a piece of feedback from Payday Two players that really stuck with you? No more collabs, <laughs> but it, it's. It's part true, though. Like uh, I think what what the, uh, the community members have referenced when they say that is that they don't want us to dilute the the integrity of the game. Right? They love the original cast. They don't want us to see uh, to see us add in their mind unnecessary additional characters from other IPs or other worlds. They want us to expand the world of Payday and do our own thing. And that's something that we speak about in the first Dev Diary we did together. But I think that's something that we really take into heart and really listen to proper and, and something that we respect. And uh, sure, there are will be opportunities for us to, to collaborate with others and do interesting things, but really maintaining the integrity of the game and the IP, I think, is, is core to, uh, to the launch of the game. I also think um, making sure that the heists have a you know, strong theme and identity. You know, we've done a lot of heists in, in Payday 2. There's more than 80 of them, so it's, it's difficult to make them all feel very unique, right? But um, we've been really trying to design the heist from the perspective of it has a visual identity, so it stands out from that perspective, but it also has some type of feature that is unique to the level. So for the two levels that you play today, for example, in the bank, you have the thermite. You burn your way through the floor into the vault, and then you have sort of that hit street shootout. In the art gallery, you have these security systems like laser grids, motion sensor. It has a Mission Impossible vibe. So trying to, really trying to capture a theme for each and every level, that's something that we've seen that our community generally has liked in the past. And I think there's such a small detail here as well. Like Usually when I talk to fans and I ask them about their favorite level, very rarely they, um, they say the name of the heist. They mention a moment. Yeah. It's like, ah, uh, the thing where the piggy bank uh, drops down through the roof. Ah, okay, it's the big bank, you know? And I think that, that says so much about like, how important it is to have like, a unique moment in each and every level. How many heists are going to be in the game at launch? Payday the Heist had six heists at launch. Payday 2 had 12, although they were smaller. Mm-hmm. And Payday 3 is going to have eight, yeah. What's the current plan for long-term content after Payday 3 is out? So we're going um, to talk more about the uh, post-launch roadmap before launch. Um, what I can say, though, is I think something that is going to be important for Payday 3 is obviously we want to do more content, like more heists and characters and weapons and whatnot. But I think it's really important that we're looking at the game from a core perspective as well. Like, how can we grow the core game? So, for example, new social features. Maybe, like, further down the line, we want to do new game modes. I don't know. Like, I think there's a lot of opportunities. but, But my point is, it's not just about adding content on top of content. It's also about growing, like, the the general experience of the game. Yeah, uh, adding quality of life stuff to the game, essentially. And is that going to be bigger updates or smaller quality of life improvements? It's going to be, uh, we're going to go into it, but I do believe we're going to follow a similar approach that we did, we did with Payday 2. I, uh, 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 smaller updates more often rather than larger updates very rarely. And just finally, before I let you go, how are you feeling on the lead up to launch? 
I feel great. I feel uh, like it's all coming together, you know, like a great plan. It's been such a tremendous journey, not only for Payday as a, as a game a series. I mean, Andreas and I have been working on this for a total of 24 years now together, 12 years each at the studio, right? So it's been a long time coming from Payday the Heist up until the third game now. And, and for me, it's a bit of a godfather moment, you know, wrapping up a trilogy. doesn't mean that in any way, shape or form is the end of something. It's just the beginning, right? It's the end of the beginning. So it's very exciting. And uh, launch is that starting point. So, yeah. Andres? No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm feeling more and more calm, actually. Like, usually it's the other way around when you're going to launch a game. But, you know, I think for, for me, like, the biggest worry has always been what if we don't, you know, please our fans? And what if the game doesn't feel like a payday game? But I think we've managed to maintain the integrity and the DNA. And for me, that has been such a such an important thing like for the first step of launch like mm. if you don't nail that there is so many things that you have to redo fundamentally mm. but i think everybody who's played payday they're gonna feel at home and they're gonna feel like yeah it's still fucking payday and yeah that is that that that's i think that's what's what calms me you know I just want to give a, a final shout out then to our community, you know, mm. our, our players that have stayed with us through thick and thin. Uh, a huge thank you to all of you who've been playing and, and supporting us over the years. I mean, uh, they made us survive essentially, literally, uh, in, in a literal sense, in an emotional sense, you know, mm. uh, as, a, as a creative base and, and some some something that we look to uh, in order to please. You know, we want them to feel that they they get the payday they deserve. And we're back. The night of the trip to Stockholm, we went for uh, we went for a lovely steak. And beforehand, I had about six beers that I thought were like normal normal beers. They were like nine percent. I was gone. Oh dear! I was, I was just gone. Where do you think you were? Belgium for crying out loud. And then we went to uh, we we came back via the the Seven Eleven, and everyone was obsessed with this thing. I think it was called Snap. It was like a chocolate. You know, a bugle, the crisp, mm. a bugle crisp. Mm-hmm that covered in chocolate and people were going crazy for it like yes. ripping it off the shelves it's one of these things you know you, you go to you go somewhere on holiday and everyone's like oh you need to try this you need to try this and then people come mm. back with bags of it but, um, like us wearing brew yeah exactly <laughs> but I, i'm not a chocolate man so i ended up just getting some swedish energy drink that i, th- I think it, i think it was called cure but it looked the the typography looked like it said the the, the fun c word you know um, so I was obviously very happy with that. Um, also, I fell prey again. These nasty Europeans, sparkling water everywhere. I just want a cold drink of normal water, and you're like, ah, as soon as you open it, you need. You guys um, need to get over your hatred of fizzy water because it is. I, I uh, don't as hate, problematic right wing men say. <laughs> rich man's water. I don't hate fizzy water when it's I know delicious. I'm getting fizzy water, but there is nothing worse than when you think you're drinking straight up shoot water and it comes out and it's like uh it's, it's you sound like sad. like I've, I've given my dog fizzy water before and they've went and i think dogs have an inert kind of like self-preservation thing where if water is fizzy they think it's there's something wrong with it oh. um and you're a bit like my dog in that you refuse <laughs> you think do you know it's poison what, do you know what? i'm physically incapable of drinking water on its own Are you? right this is a this is a fact. This is like I don't. I don't I, I, Have you got I, rabies? No, I've spoken to doctors about this, and we we can't we can't figure out what it is, and we think it's like a psychological thing. I've got a ve- I've got a memory of being in America, and I was like four or five, and there was a glass on the table, and I thought it was Seven Up, and I drank it, and it was water, and because I wasn't expecting it, I reacted quite badly because I was like my brain was like what? And Did you like ever, Fido Dido, and, and, and so so the the assumption the the, the the assumption doctors make is that that is cause some sort of weird psychological thing where if I drink water on its own I, I cough it back up again instantly I can't swallow <laughs> I'm it drowning. it needs to have flavour in it it needs to have something <laughs> in it otherwise my brain just says nope and do you, just, like, do you carry a fruit it. shoot on you at all times no, I just, I I just whenever someone it's just whenever whenever you go somewhere and says do you want a glass of water you have to be like, really rude and say nope 
no thanks no thanks, <laughs> you can't no. just say no no I can't drink water because you sound like an absolute moron uh, but, but, I, um, but I never but remember like back in the day and certainly our generation Chris like you ju- you just never got water at school nowadays yeah. you go into school they've got bottle they've got these little bottles they carry around and before every lesson they've got to fill up their bottle fill yeah, up their flask yeah. for the for the lesson it's insanity that came out of my era we got bottles of, we all got given like wild Scottish government bottles of water <laughs> I can't remember that's why <laughs> the Thames water is in crisis <laughs> yeah. But before that, like in first and second year in my school, so 2007, 2008, the Vendies had the best stuff in it like right. Coke, Diet Coke, Fanta, everything you're wanting, all the sweets. As soon as we went back into third year, it was like water, apple tizer, like all this crap. They they ruined vending machines in Scottish Fucking schools. Jamie Oliver, honestly, these guys—you actually had a vending machine in your school, though. <laughs> we had, well, we we had a vending machine. I remember my, and I think about this probably every couple of days. Uh, the Nemesis drink for the uh, was it like what a Valley at Alton Towers ride? Nemesis. Yeah. Um, they had a um, licorice black currant soda Jesus. that I have never seen again but I think about it every couple of days why isn't there more licorice soda <laughs> it is perfect that sounds horrible <laughs> that feels like something you could get that in Japan easily I bet oh yeah definitely that's, that's, that's how you know I went to school in Coat Bridge which is a greater Glasgow <laughs> for those not aware of it we didn't have a vending machine we had a chip fan yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. part outside well, the school well, on, on the grounds next to the PE block you'd have an ice cream van yeah. <laughs> which we, is we, terrible we had an ice cream an van Italian man with no fingers <laughs> we had an ice cream van until it got done for selling Eckies, um, which is yeah, <laughs> that is disappointing. I'm sure the markup is less than an actual fucking ice cream. Excuse my language. Good God! Wow. Anyway, <laughs> if you have any stories about selling Eckies, you can send them to the podcast at Video Games Chronicle. Pop them in the top like a like a like a ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Put them in your your ninety nine P max. Yeah. Know what you're gonna get. But also, if anyone has any information about the burger van that's outside the McDonald's in Coatbridge and has been there for twenty years <laughs> and still allegedly still sells burgers <laughs> despite being outside of McDonald's, I'd love I'd love information on that because it's, it's bothered me for for decades. They've not lit up that grill in fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> it's the coldest van in the world I'd, I'd love to know what's actually under the sign that says burgers thank you very much for listening you can follow me on twitter at jordan medler chris at scully1888 pete at pete donaldson we'd like to thank the great grant kirkhope for use of the vgc podcast theme song say goodbye pete goodbye say goodbye chris goodbye chris and we'll see you later say happy birthday to me on twitter you slugs bye bye <laughs>